I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome back to Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. Guys, I wasn't sure that I was going to have an episode this week. Um, To be completely honest... I have been going through some personal stuff with one of my rescue dogs, Tala. I've had her for about six years. She's 11, and she was just diagnosed with cancer. So I've been, you know, on the more uh, depressed and sad side of things lately, Um, and I wasn't sure that I'd have it in me to do an interview, but uh, my friend Brian agreed to come on, and it was nice to just talk to a friend for a bit. Uh, As far as the pupper goes, she has surgery scheduled for November 1st. I have a GoFundMe if you have an extra dollar or two because it's real expensive and uh, I'm a broke artist doing this podcast for free and for the fun of it. Um, And yeah, GoFundMe is on my my Instagram. Uh, If you can't donate, that's totally fine and I feel you because these are weird times and a lot of us are still out of work. But if you can just share it with your friends and family, that would be super helpful. Um, Yeah, it sucks, man. I'll never understand why dogs don't live as long as humans. It just sucks. If you know me, I'm, I'm obsessed with my dogs. So it's been a bit of a rough one. But today on the show, we, we have my friend Brian Beacock. Um, you've probably heard his voice in a bunch of things. If you've ever watched anime, you know him. Um, and he's done a lot of 
on-camera work as well and other things. Um, and it was great to catch up with him. I, I love that I get to do this and talk to people every week. It It's proven to be very helpful in this pandemic world. So here's my conversation with Brian. Hello. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm great. <laughs> it's actually cooling down in LA, which I'm excited about. Yeah, it's starting to depress me, though, because <laughs> clouds and rain depress me. So I'm not prepared for that. You're not the person to sit at home in like your sweats and watch the rain. No, as much as I'm a pumpkin spice latte person, I'm I'm not a an autumn winter person at all. Oh, see, I love it. I can just really delve into my own depression. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's plenty of material for that. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? What have you been doing during quarantine? Anything fun? Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple fun things. I uh, am mainly now taking care of my roses in the backyard, which sounds so <laughs> lame and domestic, and it's not me, but they're living. And so that's really a first for me. Um, so I'm doing that. And I'm doing a lot of um, like filming location scouting, going around Los Angeles and seeing, um, you know, uh, opening title credits from uh, 70s and 80s TV shows. Um, I went to the uh, the Ratchet location, the hospital from mm. Netflix's Ratchet. And um, it's stupid, but it, it takes up my time and it's fun. And I take photos and, you know, it's Instagram fodder. So there you go. <laughs> What's your favorite place you've seen? <laughs> I was really excited about the Thriller House, oh. of course. And then there's an old movie with uh, William Cat called House. William Cat, of course, was in Greatest American mm. Hero. And uh, it's all about this haunted house. And um, I found it. I think it's out in San Gabriel oh, wow. or something. And that was really exciting. And, of course, you know, a lot of these houses like the E.T. House or the Poltergeist House, people are used to you used to people coming right. in front of their houses and taking photos and stuff, but I'm still really sensitive about it. I'm very respectful of people. Yeah. Didn't um, they have to put like a gate outside of the American Horror Story house or something? Because so many people were they, just crowding it. They did. So that's why I got a big selfie stick so I can go over the gate. <laughs> your gate. I did that I one too. I can do whatever I want. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. This is my Instagram God life. I gotta have Yeah, a so I mean that's kind of lame, but yeah. you know, I've been doing a lot of hiking and um, you know, went to Vasquez Rocks and um mm -hmm. Cabazon Dinosaurs and just a lot of stuff that you don't really do in LA because you're working. Right. And of course, I'm not doing yeah. that. Yeah, I've been nesting. So you've done the exact opposite of me. I'm like, you can <laughs> barely get me out of my house. <laughs> Is that yeah. right? I'm I'm just wow. I'm the nester, man. you give me a couple days to just like be alone. And I'm so stoked. Yeah, I normally am that way. And I am that way at night. I mean, I've I've watched so much television, so oh, I don't yeah. sleep that much. But during the day, I try to get out. Although I haven't, I, I only wear shorts and tennis shoes. I haven't worn pants more than <laughs> probably seven days since Don't March. do it. I'm telling you, putting jeans back on after is just the right? worst. It's really bad. <laughs> Who shrunk my clothes? Honestly, it's like little leprechauns came in and shrunk all of my clothes. Yes, Krispy Kreme leprechauns. <laughs> so I want to tell uh, <laughs> the world how we met because I think it's kind of um, interesting and funny and I think it's totally, you know, not something that's normal. So Brian and I um, <laughs> did Grinchmas for the, it was the first year of it. And I played, yeah, it was. I played Cindy Lou Who and he played the Grinch. Yes. 
And it was great. And it was uh, universal. I mean, they did it for many years after that, yeah. but this was probably the most, well, maybe the most money they ever spent on it. It was the big to do. And uh, there were several Grinches and several Cindy Lou's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember at least that first year, because I did it for several years, mm. I just remember what a nightmare the makeup was. Because <laughs> it was basically, it was the same makeup that Jim Carrey yeah. wore, you know, at one millionth less, you know, the pay scale. Right. Um, yeah. It, I don't the, even know what that was. <laughs> yeah. I was too And young. it was the full, full scleral, uh, which is the full contact lenses, you know, not just yeah. the dot on your eye, full eyes um, and just sweaty and cold and hot all at the same mm-hmm. time. And, and um, I can't remember, no, that, you did the show, right? I did the show. I did the parade. I did the meet and greet. I did the like little yeah. meet and greet that you do with um, Sandy, the dog. Um, right, right. And that was the first, that was the only year that they had actual minors be Cindy Lou. Isn't that right? I think so. Because when I did the parade years later, I think it was uh, 17 or 18 yeah. or 19 year old, uh, you know, they short, were like, shorter we can't girls. deal with actual children anymore. <laughs> See you later. This is universal. We need to work you 20 hours yeah. a day, please. Your work hours don't work for us. Um, right, right. <laughs> but that was that was it was so cool because it was the first year and we had the real dog from the Grinch, which I always That's loved. Right. Her name was Sandy. I don't know if she's still around, but she was the best doggo. And then we had Jeffrey Tambor visit. We had right. we had a bunch of people from the actual movie visit, and I thought it was really special. Yeah, I think it was that year that I did a special out at Hollywood and Highland with Ron Howard mm. uh, to re- reveal the uh, the new DVD or something <laughs> of Grinch. And of course, you know Jim Carrey's not going to do it, so no. they had me at the. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I was at um, some hotel on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, waiting to to walk over to Hollywood Highland and do this big opening. That was fun. That was kind of exciting. Yeah, I do. I but, remember uh, there was like some sort of like KTLA thing that I did too. And there's yeah. some there's some sort of like VHS of that somewhere that I gotta find. I'm sure. Yeah, I did the opening of the Grinch car at NASCAR <laughs> somewhere in the Midwest, and I had to change clothes into the Grinch in this like storage paint closet or or janitor closet i had to pee in the sink like it was just i mean really just top-notch class oh god but you you worked for universal before that right tell how did you get involved in universal work yeah so i i i'm from san francisco and i moved to la Mm -hmm. uh, after i did les mis the tour of les mis and i couldn't get a job i was just doing you know some movies and tv and stuff like that but you know day jobs and so i auditioned for uh, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice's Graveyard Rock and Review at Universal, yeah. which I had seen growing up as a, as a kid. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in the show that I grew up watching. How exciting is that? So I got cast and I did that for, well, I think all told I worked at Universal for 15 years. Wow. Doing uh, Beetlejuice, Fear Factor, uh, Spider-Man, Shrek. I was the musical director for the Blues Brothers. I worked in the Mummy Maze. I did the special effects show. So I don't know where Grinch came. Yeah, but but I had I had definitely already done. I think it was two thousand one. <laughs> but um, that's fun. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, a great job. Every time I go there and I watch Waterworld, I'm like, I want to do that, and then I'm like, I can't swim to save my life, so <laughs> I will die doing that. Yeah, they're they're not wearing life life vests. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so you did that, and then. I mean, you've had such an extensive career in voiceover and anime, and you've done like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just looking online, you know, the best place in the world to get information. And um, (laughs) 
I saw that you've done like 140 characters and like, obviously I've known you for a long time, but most of the time you don't talk about that kind of stuff with friends just because we are all promoting something at some point. Um, (laughs) But I mean, 140 characters, that's like, that's so many and you've just done so much. How did you even get into that world? It's so funny because every time I do a convention, an anime or a voiceover convention, everyone's asking, you know, how do I get started? Mm -hmm. And I think this is typical that you could say the same thing, like everyone's story of how they, quote, broke into the business is different. Yeah. And there's there's no one way to do it. And and you can only steer people in certain directions. But for me, I was doing lots of theater in L.A. Mm. Um, and I did this one show called Fully Committed where I – it was a one-man show and I played 38 different characters. Jesus. No costume, no makeup changes, just all physicalities and voice. And at the time, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who was playing the Bride of Frankenstein and in Beetlejuice at mm. Universal, uh, had kind of like left to do other things and was still coming back and doing shows every once in a while. But she was directing the second season of Digimon, the anime. Oh, wow. And – yeah, and she saw me do this play. Um, I think at that time I had taken it from the Coronet Theater um, in L.A. down to um, Laguna. Mm. And she saw me do it there, and she said, you know what? You're doing all these voices and stuff. I've known you for a while, but I didn't know you did this. Um, I think you might be right for this character for this show. So I came in and auditioned for season three of Digimon mm. to play Takato. And uh, – I had never seen anime before. I mean, the only anime I'd ever watched growing up was Speed Racer. Right. So I wasn't. I wasn't a Pokemon guy. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know any of that stuff. It was. Uh, it wasn't my thing. So I auditioned for it, and the audition was fine because I can't remember whether they just had you read copy or whether you had to actually sync to pitch to picture. You know, oh, the wow. original Japanese. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but I'm musical, and, and that kind of helps dubbing anime anyway. Mm-hmm. So I auditioned for it, and it, w- it must have been three months later that I got the call that I booked the show. Oh, my gosh. And <laughs> y- yeah, of course. Always, right? And I-, I got this lead in this show, and all of a sudden I'm starring in this show on Fox Kids, and I'm doing promotions and and literally not really knowing what I was doing right. in that world. So I-, I learned as I went, and it was from that job that I I have worked in the business for 30 years. So to- it totally just snowballed. It totally snowballed because, you know, I was working for Saban Entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and from Digimon 3, I got Digimon 4. And then that went to, uh, I don't know, when Naruto and Bleach and all the other shows came along. But it's kind of a, a, a small, tight-knit community of anime and dubbing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they just you you get to know people you get to know directors and engineers and then auditions start coming your way and right. and most of it was done without an, an agent and it just kind of uh hell yeah, yeah keep that fee to yourself <laughs> thank you very much well i mean if anyone who knows like anime is not gonna change your world financially right. so you, you got to be on you know six or seven or eight shows a year which happened but um it's that original animation that you really want to get mm. you know the Got you. The family guys and the Simpsons and all that right, stuff. Right, right, right. Um, I love anime. I love Miyazaki. I love Do you? Yeah. It's so funny. I don't watch it. Really? I don't I mean, watch my own stuff. I'm not a huge like TV show person, but I do love anime films. I think I do too. I think Absolutely. there's something really special about them. 
I agree, and I've done a few of those, and and I agree they're they're quite beautiful and symbolic, and and the music is always great, and yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, with they're you always so deep. Like yeah. <laughs> afterwards, you're yeah. just like, how is that an animated film? Because I feel like I just got destroyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. Um, so then the anime stuff, did that lead into the video games and all that kind of stuff? Because you've done a whole lot of those as well. Yeah. So video games, a lot of the times are are shoot offs from the show. Like there's, you know, there's mm. Digimon video games and Naruto and Bleach and all that stuff. And it's cool because you can die in a show. Like I died in Naruto several <laughs> times, but the character is going to be in the video game. So like two years later, they're like, hey, we want you to come back and play Sakon or Nukon and um, so that happens a lot. And then there's, you know, one off games that I've done, you know, yeah. fighter pilot number 12. And um, <laughs> so that happens. Video games are great. Um, they pay well. They work you to death. You're doing all those fighting and, and killing efforts. Um, yeah. And if you get a big game like some of the people do, you know, Silent Hill and stuff like that, they can really be a, a great little gig for you. Um, yeah, Last of Us. Do you play video games? I don't. I've I, the last video game system I had was Atari. <laughs> oh God! I, I mean, come on. I can I can whoop your ass in Pong. Um, so that's another thing. Like I, I played. The, I I was in this video game called Dog and Rampa, and I played Monokuma, mm. this murdering uh, panda bear, and it's hugely Amazing. successful. Oh, he's, he's so great. Um, <laughs> he talks like this. <laughs> Yeah, he's just really obnoxious, oh and, and he just and he'll kill you. Um, but, I love it. But the fans love that character. But I've never played the video game, so I go to all these conventions, and they're like, "Hey, what about the part where you're like, I have no idea. I don't know." And you're like, "I don't even know." You tell what me. Console is that? Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> what did that come out on? Was that Xbox? Oh my god. Oh my god. I feel like we need to get you a console so you can start playing games. Because the thing is, is that a lot of video games now are starting to look like films, and it's amazing well, amazing and scary because you know they're using voice voice actors of course but they're not using real actors right. so that's scary um true but i don't know i'm such a kind of like addictive personality and i don't mean mm. like not drugs or food or anything like that but tv for sure entertainment and also if there's something that i can't win 
I'm going to play it until I win. <laughs> so being the fact that I've never had a video game console, I will probably be stuck in my in my house for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, I'm fairly new to it. Like, I always used to go over to my friends' houses and play video games. Yeah. But then last year, I finally broke down and I got a PS4, mostly because I was like, I need to be able to watch um, Blu-rays because I still don't have a freaking Blu-ray player. Yeah, neither do I. I've got my VHS. I'm looking at it right now, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so tell me about, because you do a lot of on-camera work too, so tell me about that journey for you. Was that all at the same time as voiceover? I mean, are you juggling all of this uh, simultaneously? Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly like a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none guy. I've always been that. I've always had a lot of varying interests. When I first got to LA, that was my focus. So I'd been theater mm-hmm. guy my whole life. I got the tour of Les Mis. I got my union card. So that brought me to LA, and I could uh, buy into SAG through equity. Um, Ah. Yeah. Um, And so I booked this TV show. It was Fox Television's lowest rated TV movie ever. And it's called (laughs) it's called based on an untrue story. And it was uh, Morgan Fairchild and Diane Cannon and uh, Ricky Lake. I mean, it was just it was was a parody of all the made for TV movies that were happening at the time, you know, starring Joan, Joan Van Ark, whatever. So Gilda Stratton over at uh, um, Warner Brothers was the casting director, and I was auditioning for the role of a reporter, and I went in, and she loved my long um, – that's a terrible lead-in. Um, she loved my <laughs> – she, she loved my long trench coat. It was a fabulous trench coat. I haven't had it for years, but it was winter, and I was auditioning, and and I, I still to this day think I got cast because of that damn coat. But um, it's possible. It's possible, right? I swear I've gotten cast just because of my name uh, sometimes. Right? Because people are like, oh, my God, I used to have a best friend named Jillian. And I'm like, great. You're perfect. Um, are you going to hire me now? Yeah. So my first gig in L.A., even before um, Beetlejuice, was uh, a TV movie. And then I started booking – a little bit more. I did NBC's The Rerun Show, where we took shows like Facts of Life and The Jeffersons and all that stuff, and, and remade those in a parody style way. That was a a summer. Oh, funny. Yeah, summer replacement on NBC. We came on right after Seinfeld, I think. And uh, that's a good spot. It was great. Um, let's see, I did a I did a really fun movie with Ryan Reynolds. I got to lay in bed with Ryan Reynolds. Um, Oh yeah, I've seen those uh those clips. Crazy <laughs> called Buying the Cow. Rent it today and I'll get five cents in residuals. Um but that was great. So yeah, I did a little bit here and there, still doing theater, still working in theme parks. Um, and it's kind of the same for me now. Like I'm mm. I did a play in Boston about a year and a half ago and I'm doing voiceovers and then um, you know, I worked on some movies with you as well. Yeah. To the beat and to the beat yeah. two. And a couple things in Austin, some horror films. So I don't know. I don't know that I'm ever going to find focus. Mm. But I mean, you're an, you're an amazing writer as well. Is are you are you working on more? Are you you know going to commit more time to that? Because I feel like there is so much that you have to say as well. Well, thanks, thank you. I appreciate that, and I I do feel like there's so much more that I want to do in that respect. Um, I have not. I've not found the time in this pandemic to find that kind of focus. It's a weird thing. There's so yeah. much time, but I find myself with no time. Mm. Um, I'm also, you know, caring for my mom. She's 92 almost now. And so I Your mom is so kick ass. She's so great. She's great. But, you know, she's 92. Um, right. But she'll, you know, she'll do 300 sit-ups and walk 3 miles and I mean it's 
It's crazy. <laughs> she does more than I do. It's in true. Like two Me weeks. too. Me too. Um, but I drive back and forth to the Bay Area to Los Angeles, and you know, basically, I'm taking care of two houses and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I there's a lot of writing that I do want to do. I'm supposed to be working on a book um, about uh, a naked show that I did, Naked Boys Singing, uh, in, oh, yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah, so I'm writing a book about that. Um, oh, fun. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know when the, the writing's going to happen, but it, it calls to me for sure. You'll find it. It'll come back. Yeah. It, yeah. It's going to come. come. This is just a wonky time. I had such plans for this year. I was supposed to be in London right now doing a convention. Ugh. I know. I would kill to be in London. Right? Somebody take me. Take me to London. <laughs> take me. Um, so we've come to the part in the show where I like to have actors tell me bad audition stories or things they almost got that they were heartbroken they didn't get. Um, do you have anything that you want to share with us? How much time do you have? You've come <laughs> to the right place. <laughs> yes, I, I, I've got a couple. So really quick, like I auditioned for the tour of Hairspray to be the Corny Collins. I really wanted that. Um, flew to New York. Oh, I could totally see that. Yeah, this was years ago. So like I really fit the part. Um, flew to New York and it just it just wasn't right. Um, but one of the biggest ones was back in high school. They had a talent contest um, for a contract with ABC. And I think I was I was either a junior or a sophomore in high school. I can't remember. But it was for a TV show called Maserati in the Brain. Hmm. Terrible. Um, it's this young, young <laughs> kid and like a, a really smart detective or something like that. So audition after audition, going to San Francisco, you know, mom driving me there, yada, yada. And um, right. it came down to I think it was either two or three people, me and some other guy, and then Peter Billingsley from A Christmas Story. Oh, wow. And he booked it. Um, oh. Yeah. So, I mean, at that age especially, yeah, it's to rough. go from regular high school life doing plays and stuff, and then all of a sudden you're in front of cameras. And uh, So I, I did get a contract with ABC. I had it for a year. I was on I was on contract with them where they could bring me out to do like eight is enough or happy days or whatever. And that stuff, it never transpired. It never happened. But um, it was an exciting right. time. But I think about it all the time, especially at Christmas when I see friggin' Peter Billingsley. Um, <laughs> I hate this damn I know. movie. Um, I had many, many, many auditions to be the singing voice for Aladdin for the animated feature. Oh, yeah. what was that process it like? It was scary. It was scary and fun, but it was – I don't even know if the studio's there anymore. It was in Burbank or Glendale, rather, um, at mm. a Disney annex or whatever, a big music room. And, um, I mean, I sang that friggin' I Can Show You the World song, whatever, A Whole New World, over and over and over again. Really fun. Really fun. And the guy that wow. – I mean, obviously, the guy they got was – Friggin' amazing, a Broadway guy, I think. Yeah, but not the not the uh, speaking voice. Those were two different people. Um, right, they they tend to do that. They a lot. do, yeah, yeah. At least back in the day, like Pocahontas, I've, they did that right. with and a couple right. of others. And now they're getting you know singers who are also actors and great voice voice actors who can do both. You know, Leah right. Salonga, who are also a list stars. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I auditioned for uh, Cars. I auditioned for Planes. I auditioned for uh, Brother Bear. So it had a big dis- – Oh, my God. I was obsessed with Brother Is that Bear. right? Obsessed. I Okay. I fell in love with Phil Collins after that. Oh, and I yeah. went through like this huge phase when I was like 12 where all I would listen to is Phil Collins. <laughs> Bad. That's really funny. That's kind of like a really like esoteric 
musician to be listening to at 12. I know because he did the music on Brother Bear. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is life changing music. And so then I started listening. I got like his hits album from Target or something. Susu Studio. And yeah, basically Susu Studio all the time. True Colors, man. (laughs) I was on like repeat. I think I even sang a Phil Collins song at like a Days of Our Lives convention. Okay, so you've never been a normal person is what you're telling me. No, never. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Um, but yeah, that's that's crazy. Aladdin would have been super fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've I'm sure you've got the same thing. There's a lot of jobs that you really hope you get. Some are creatively and career beneficial, some are just financially right. beneficial when you when right. you need them. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, right now I'm like, you wanna throw anything at me? I am here. I know. I know. I am here. I actually had an audition the other day to play 16 again. I saw I that. Like, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. You totally can, which makes me so angry. But <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. It was funny. It, but it, it is challenging, though, to get back into that um, that mindset, especially right now with everything going on politically. My brain, it's like all of a sudden I'm getting like Wall Street Journal um, pop-ups while I'm trying to prepare for this audition. And I'm like, okay, no, leave 28-year-old me behind. Right. <laughs> Must act young. <laughs> right. right. Must act young. How do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Have you had any fun auditions during quarantine? I had a couple. I had a couple things that I had to do. One just a couple weeks ago for Disney, for a Disney show that I thought I re- did really, really well, but apparently casting mm. directors would say otherwise because I, I didn't get the job. Um, <laughs> but man, you know, like I, I feel I'm it. going back and forth from my house to my mom's house and I'm doing, um, you know, the huge setup with the green screen of the, the backdrop and the lights and all that stuff and the ring light and all that right. nonsense. So it's it's not the same anymore as just pointing a camera at yourself although i suppose people oh, no. are doing that but i don't you know i want to make it as as good no. as i can um and i'm really a going into the office kind of guy i always have been even for mm-hmm. voiceovers which started years ago where you would just submit auditions and well I, yeah i remember like even growing up for voiceovers i'd go to yeah. a studio yep. in burbank even if it was a self tape oh yeah and have them record it and send it into the casting office. Yeah, I used to go to my agents and they had, you know, a, a dedicated yeah. booth for that. And they would have an engineer mm-hmm. who also served as a, you know, pseudo director. And it would just kind yeah. of help you get another set of eyes and ears on your audition as opposed to just like auditioning in this bubble and going, yeah, that's good. Send. Yeah. So I've actually had a couple voiceover auditions lately. It's all been for that that show that's on ABC that – um. What is it? The emergency call show that they just started? Oh, right. So not not 911, mm-hmm. but a new one. Yeah, it's called Emergency Call. It's on ABC, but I had a really funny one um, that I had to do. And it like li- it required me to like literally put something in my mouth so that I could like <laughs> sound like I was choking. And I had a call back for it. And the director was like, yeah, you really got me. It really sounded like you were choking. I'm like, great. This is 2020. <laughs> This is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god. It was actually so fun. <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. I mean I didn't book it, but it was really fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh Lord. That's what matters. Yeah, so not a lot of auditions, but um uh the voiceover auditions more than on camera, which I'm grateful for because no one wants to see yeah. this right now. 
I feel that. I feel like I am just like a pile of potatoes. Yeah. Like I definitely need to do something about it. But is it going to happen oh right God. now? Who knows? It's like so much work. I'm doing, you know, cameos for for anime fans yeah. and stuff. And anytime I need to do one, like it's it's prep. You know. Yeah, I, I it is. I wash my hair and shave today just so I could do a video. But yeah, it's true. It's true. Hmm. And it's just so much. I just and it's just like the world is so uncertain right now that every time I think about like, oh, I need to work out. Oh, I need to eat better. I'm just like, oh, but do I like everything is just in the shitter. <laughs> I know. I know. Do I, I know. Does that matter oh, when the world is falling apart? <laughs> Maybe we're coming out of it. Maybe. Maybe. I feel like we are. I feel very hopeful. Yeah. Which is good. Very hopeful. We'll see. We'll see. Um, how can people follow you follow you on social media? Um, I would say the easiest thing to do is follow me on Instagram at Brian Beacock. You can try at Brian Beacock on Twitter, but right now all you're going to see is political posts. So, yeah, mine is flooded yeah, so too. <laughs> bother unless you're you know you're on the right side of history. Um, but right. Instagram is really fun, and I always talk to people that reach out to me and, and love to communicate and have fun and, and all that stuff. So, you know, stop by and say hi for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I can't um, let this interview end without us talking about acting dead for a quick yes! second. Because that was our, that was our show that we did a few years ago. Yeah. Super fun. Um, y'all should watch it. It's great. It's great. It's really great. I've got amazing plans for season two, but I need amazing money. <laughs> and uh i need to lose some weight to fit back oh, into those death pants right <laughs> so get, let's let's take it we need for, to have an acting dead zombie boot camp for like six months prior yeah. to shooting for sure that's that's honestly what would have to happen oh, <laughs> i was so thin in that that like i i literally need to have a boot camp <laughs> We'll just I feel like I was very depressed at that time too. So I was just like not eating. It was so crazy. What <laughs> probably not it was great. a while and it was this time of year. We filmed in October. <clears throat> yeah, I was going through a breakup. Remember, I would be like sitting there trying to do a scene, and then all of a sudden tears would just start like, falling. Hold, and I wasn't even hold like, for tears. Trying. Hold for tears. <laughs> hold for tears. I'm just like, I'm not even doing this. It's just <laughs> happening. It's just happening. Yeah, but you were so fabulous. You were so fabulous in the show. As you were yeah, you. I mean, thanks. it was a great it show, was... and Patrika won an Emmy for yep. it. I mean, actingdead.com. Check fun. it out. Go check it out, guys. Watch it. If you like it, reach out to <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I hope that you've been um, staying well, and I hope that you continue to stay well and stay healthy through Me this. Too. Thank you so much. This was really, really fun. Thanks again to Brian for coming on the show. Uh, I don't know who's going to be on next week because I'm just living day to day right now. But tune in next week because I'm sure somebody will be on. Maybe. <laughs> if not, it'll be like 20 minutes of me talking to myself, which would be kind of interesting. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to the show now. You can also follow us on social media. Those links are in the show notes. And uh, get out there and vote, guys. It's Voting's open in most states. I've already voted. My ballot was counted i got the email from my county saying that it was counted and tracked and all that stuff so get out there get your voting on super important um and yeah make sure to uh tell your friends your family about the show i'll see you next week 
Thanks for coming in. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make season two even more memorable together.